This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and with Valentine's Day just around the corner, I definitely feel the love in the air. And so today we're going to devote the entire hour to the greatest bliss of all, which is love. Falling in love, romance, and even finding the true love of your life, midlife. It's never too late. We're also going to talk about how to sustain intimacy, even in times of uncertainty. As we all know, our deepest desire is to be loved deeply and unconditionally. So why is it then, as the authors we're about to meet ask, that what we yearn for is one of the most elusive things to find and sustain in a beautiful new book? entitled Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. Authors Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley say, the problem is that many of us have lost connection with the authentic and unconditional part of ourselves, the soul. So how can we connect with another person on a soulful level if we do not understand ourselves on a soul level? How can we find a soulmate if we cannot see and feel our own soul? Well, as the authors write, And I quote, true love connects us with the innermost part of ourselves. And once we stop underestimating and limiting love, our relationships become a spiritual path to the soul. We're going to unpack all of this with our authors in a moment. And also coming up, we're going to meet a couple who found true love midlife in a fairy tale romance. And they're here today to share their inspirational love story. And of course, we're going to have a love song by singer Skylar Finer. And uh, she'll be singing us out of the show today. We're going to hear some of your love letters about how you met and fell in love. And we're also so excited to tell you about our very sweet and exciting Valentine's giveaway. All of this coming up, but first let's meet authors Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley. Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley are the authors, as I just mentioned, of this beautiful new book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. And they're also co-hosts of the Holy and Human podcast. Elisa is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an intuitive, and the author of Meet Your Soul, Adam is a certified somatic practitioner, which means relating to the body, especially as the, as distinct from the mind. And he is also a yoga instructor who uses spiritual coaching, somatic healing, and his own intuitive abilities to connect people to their soul. Together, they help individuals awaken and deepen their soulful nature within relationships. Elisa and Adam, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. So great to have you. I love that holy love uses love and relationship as a portal to understand and become our most divine selves, that relationship becomes the worldly arena for incarnating a sacred love in ourselves and others. And I love that this book is all about helping you begin to love each other as souls, which will infuse your life with meaning and purpose. So this approach is truly a sacred undertaking because instead of just giving or receiving love, you're teaching us how to become love itself. I'd love it if we could start by just unpacking that statement. What does that mean, how to become love itself? Absolutely. You know, like you said from reading our intro there, we have seen a lot of relationships struggling through quarantine and divorce rates have gone up significantly. Uh, So I think that this is an important issue for us to think about during this time. And that question of why is it that the thing we want the most, what we're really yearning for to be met and to be seen and to be recognized in relationship, why is that so difficult? all the time. And I think it really stems from us not understanding the nature of love. And I know that that is a profound and radical statement to say, because there's so many people out there that are, of course, I know what love is, you know, of course. Uh, And I wouldn't say that people don't know what love is. I think we experience love in our daily lives with our children and our, our relationships. But I think we have an 
ideal of what love should look like and an expectation of what we should get from love. And so when we reframe how we think about love and how we define love, it opens us up for more of a transformational process with love. So that's really what we believe in, what we uh, coach to people. And that transformational process is a deepening of self, of finding yourself on a deeper level uh, and getting in touch with your soul self. And that's a, a big topic for Elise and I. We work with lots of couples. And what we see is that when people just have a little bit of a map around what is the difference between my ego and my soul, and they really start to understand what that means in terms of what does that mean in an argument? What does that mean when you're stressed and running out the door? How do we act from those different places? How do we, number one, identify that so that we too can address and often just give ourselves the comfort we need to not be reactive? So these little pieces of psychoeducation we find are really powerful because just a little bit of understanding of how we're kind of incorrectly making assumptions can make a radical difference in our relationships. What is the difference between someone's personality and someone's soul? Great question. We see the ego as who you think you are and your soul as your eternal self that existed before you were born and after you die. This is your essence. This is what makes you uniquely you, which we think is so important for relationships because it's finding Mm -hmm. why you love the people you do. And it's not based off of their actions or their looks or their egoic identity, but for their essence, for their core. A lot of times in relationships, people have the checklist, right? Of like, What's their job? Do they want kids? Where? What are their family values? And some of those things are important and real issues in relationship, but it's not the soul. It doesn't make up for that part mm-hmm. of us, that inherent chemistry or that part that's off paper. And so we're not saying that the on paper is bad. It's just that it's never going to count for the off paper part. And so what holy love is, is more of the off paper part. Yes. What happened when you met? Did you both know right away that you were soulmates or did you have a feeling because you're an intuitive that, you know, this is something extra special. This is not normal. <laughs> it was question. quite a story. Yeah. Uh, the, the, sh- yeah. the short version of, of the long How, story. Not what version do yeah, you want? No. Is uh, we, I think we both felt an energetic uh, union and recognition of each other. And we both, when we met, had that energetic soul meeting. But both of us were heavily in denial and trying to resist that. So that is where a lot of our work stems from is because for us, we had this, this situation where we met and we were truly a match, but we really believed we weren't matches. And so we had to declutter all of our egoic narratives around that. So yeah, a lot of Mm -hmm, what we've mm -hmm. written about in Holy Love is what we discovered through our own meeting that really clarified things about what is the ego and what is the soul because of our intuition like that we've studied and worked on for years. Um, But also just really working with many, many clients to see that this is really something that anyone can do and that anyone can have immediate benefit from, from just kind of understanding these different parts to themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's incredible. You say that when we align with a soul level love, our relationship shifts from a series of compromises and misunderstandings, especially in the pandemic, to a place of nourishment, rejuvenation, and profound truth. And you write this book is about igniting a real love in our lives and becoming more authentic in the process. How do we do this? Yeah, great question. We really our intention in writing this book was to make it extremely accessible and actually practical. We didn't want to give people more spiritual theories or food for thought. We wanted things that they could implement daily. So there's a lot of exercises in the book of how to do that, how to align with your soul, how to navigate conflicts from that level. Uh, And meditations that we also have free up on our website, um, mm -hmm. holyandhuman.com. And, 
I think it really is something for, it was so important to us that this wasn't just another book that is a spiritual book sitting on the bookshelf. I should get to that or implement that in my life one day. We wanted it to be a transmission. And when you're reading it, you're really feeling it, you're really experiencing it through the reading. I love that you brought up the wonderful meditations and inquiries and exercises throughout the book. I really love them. And uh, one of my favorite exercises I did with my husband a few nights ago in preparation for this was in the section on your relationship check-in where you ask each other, what do you love about me? And what are our strengths as a couple? And I just found that the way you ask the questions, I, you know, sometimes they have these questions in these books and you kind of like, I don't know, they, they kind of make you feel badly, but it, they were so open-ended and so wonderfully written and, and, and created that it, they really invited wonderful conversation, which we did end up having. And uh, it was great. What is the best way for couples to use this book? Uh, in the book, we say you can use the exercises in, in any order you want. You don't have to do them chronologically. So I would say the best way to use it is however feels right to you. Yeah, following I would- your intuition with which one's calling to you, where you're drawn to. I love what you just said, because that was really our intention. We spent a lot of time really wording stuff out with the exercises and meditations. And um, we just want people to start to orient to the soul of each other. So that instead of just being, oh, he did this, he didn't do this. Why is he saying that again? We're starting to feel into their nature, their true nature, their eternal and the unconditional love connection between us, and then start to take directives in terms of what that means for the daily practical little nitty gritty issues from that place. So great. Is holy love also applicable for single people and other relationships beside intimate partnerships? Yeah. So we use intuitive navigation for all types of relationships. We wrote this book to be used for all types of relationships. And I would say I use this these techniques equally with my children as I do with Elisa and, with and business. Work we use it for and- every email we send in our business. <laughs> like we are constantly like the people I had a client say to me the other day, I'd like to watch a movie of what it's like at your house when you're in the evening because the degree of how much we're doing kind of psychic energetic checking in with things and then really making sure we're not projecting because that's another part of it you don't want to be making assumptions from ego about how someone's feeling or thinking or steal and rob their own experience away but at the same time we're intuitive beings that can really receive a lot of information if we're just raising our brain state from beta to theta and checking in in the right way. If we learn the tools, I just think as a Western culture, we're really babies about learning that we have access to these superpowers. And so we make a lot of assumptions of things that are or are not possible. Yeah. And we're really incredible. I think we can really access so much wisdom in our relationships. Yeah. And I think the word psychic or intuitive for a lot of people seem really like an out there concept, but the way we use it is very practical. So yeah, it can be applied to any relationship. So great. What are the most common causes for relationships to succeed and relationships to fail? Anyone? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we see all different scenarios with relationships. And so I would say the, the most common reason for a relationship to fail is probably projection. Because uh, uh, projection is when we put our unconscious content on our partner, where we assume mm-hmm. that they uh, are the responsible for our wounds or are different than they truly are. So removing projections, I think, is the first step to starting to do real relationship work. And we have a whole chapter about that. That was really important. My background is, like you said earlier, marriage and family therapist studying in the work of Carl Jung. And it's a lot about shadow work. It's a lot about your upbringing affecting kind of your subconscious beliefs and relationships. So we make it very, very conscious. Like, let's look at our stuff. And so we're aware where we might be missing the person in front of us because that really can shorten the lifespan of a relationship because people can feel if they're not being seen and they get they get sick of that quickly so and to succeed best way to help relationships succeed i would say getting in touch with what is real that's what's always difficult in relationships right because we have so many 
uh, past beliefs and wounds that can come up when we're being truly intimate. And the whole premise of our book is that it is actually truly profound to to become intimate with another person in a real way. So I would say success relies on being real with yourself, which is connecting with your soul, mm-hmm. and really seeing the person in front of you, which is connecting to their true nature and soul. Because sometimes what we think we want or need isn't actually, it's that Rolling Stone song. You can't always get what you want, but you can get what you need. And I think that's the difference sometimes between ego of soul, of being humble enough to open yourself to what your true self wants to tell you about what has been sabotaging your relationships in the past or what is really waiting for you and how to get there. Mm. What is soul sex? (laughs) (laughs) Soul sex in short is using intuition to navigate in the bedroom. Yeah. And uh, we say that soul sex doesn't start in the bedroom. It it starts in daily life. And a lot of couples, this is where they focus on. You know, they say, oh, my relationship is great, but our physical intimacy is, is not good. Uh, and they compartmentalize it as physical intimacy and daily life. And so we really mm-hmm. see that soul sex is becoming energetically aware of your partner and of your intentions and motives in sex. And so that is also applies to daily living. And so when you start becoming an energetic relationship in your daily actions, then we show people how to translate that into the bedroom. Most people, especially for long-term relationship to be sustainable and sexy and hot and alive, it's not about necessarily performing constantly. I got a new outfit. I have a new pole dance routine and having to keep the spark alive. You know, a lot of shows focus on how do we Keep that spark alive, but really the way to really keep a spark alive is once you orient to their soul, it's always changing. There's always some revealing. It's always interesting. It's always captivating. So soul sex is starting to get out of the ego of, which really often comes from a place of I'm not worthy, so I'm doing a thing so I can feel okay for a second to feel accepted. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and move into a place of Mm -hmm. I'm really allowing myself to be penetrated (laughs) not just physically, but energetically and emotionally (laughs) on a soul level, which is very intimate and intense and beautiful, but also a real meeting of souls. So I think that spark that everybody's looking for, the spark in the bedroom is real emotional contact and a real emotional exchange. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of sex. We that can really last just want to be seen and witnessed and mm-hmm. met that way in all ways, including sexually. And so I think a lot of people after sexual encounters feel like maybe that was nice or okay, but like something's missing. Like there's something deeper mm-hmm. I'm craving and still looking for. And we mm-hmm. think most of the time that's a soul connection. Like sometimes it can be, you weren't having a soul connection just because you weren't orienting to that part of the person with your partner. And then when you kind of look for their soul, the person you've had sex with for 30 Mm. years, it might be radically different the next time because now you're orienting to a different part of them. So I guess I just wanted to say that because it's not about chasing maybe this perfect idea of one soulmate that's out there. It's more first opening to the fact that we're surrounded by souls. And are you engaging and relating to that part of the people around you? What is the best keyhole to see someone's soul? Keyhole. What do you mean by that? Like lens? Like the best, what is the best way or the best pathway to see into someone's soul? Like what are some tips on how you can begin to look with that lens? Exactly. Yeah. Well, we suggest the first thing is to start recognizing, yeah, which levels are you relating? Are you in this moment, are you relating on an ego to ego level or a soul to soul level? In the book, it's actually called the four spiritual relationships, right? Where you talk about uh, relating ego to ego, relating ego to soul, uh, and, and on and on all the way to soul to soul. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a lot of different approaches. And I would say the thing about soul wisdom is there's no dogma attached to it. And it's really listening to what is your moment to moment wisdom. And that changes. So when one day uh, you might feel more called to use a certain type of meditation technique to connect to that person's soul. And another time it may be using intuition to navigate a conflict. And that's really what brings you closer. So I would say it, it is ever changing. 
I think the main thing is setting the intention. I think if, if you start with, okay, my intention is to feel the soul of the other person, it really starts to shift our goals and and we start to pay attention in a different way. And then we start to notice what's coming up with uh, in us in a different way. And then we start to react in a different way. So I think it's just, yeah, one starting to even set the prayer and intention that you want that in your life and then to start to intend it. It's so wonderful. Well, I think this is such great stuff. What is the most important thing you hope readers will take away from Holy Love? For us, what we really wanted people to feel and personally experience through this book was that the spiritual path is not one we have to take alone. I think there's a common misconception that the spiritual path is one we go off by ourselves and we go on top of a mountaintop and we meditate and that's what a spiritual person looks like. But I think really what a spiritual person looks like is somebody who's showing up for their kids, who's showing up in love every day for their lives. And that can have as much spiritual rewards as having a very serious uh, solo spiritual practice. Changing the diaper at 2 a.m. can be just as spiritual as going off to a yoga retreat if you're focused on where is the soul, where is the love in this room, and it's starting to be consistent in asking yourself that question. As a marriage therapist, uh, Elisa, what would you most like to see people take away from this book? I talk about in the book, I had an out-of-body experience when I was in my grad program where I left my body and I had what's known as a life review. And from that experience, it was really understanding who I was in his ego and a soul and starting to see that I thought I was being spiritual, but I was really missing the point. And so after I came back, that's when it was kind of turned on and I could feel everyone's soul. So for me, it's really a calling. I know I'm here on the planet to help people really feel themselves as their soul and to relate to other people as soul and to connect to people's soul. For me, it's just not just a book. It's really part of a love, a love letter. And so my goal is that mm, people start to that. feel that part of themselves and that just will bring more love. I think it's the answer to all the world's problems. If we could see souls and our enemies, we wouldn't have war. If we could see the soul in nature, we wouldn't destroy it. It's like, it's really important, I think. Beautiful. It, it's reminding me of the loving kindness meditation where you wish good and, and peace and kindness and love, even for someone you might have conflict with and for, for everyone. It's just beautiful stuff that you guys are doing. What is bliss for Adam Foley? <laughs> Ooh, I like <laughs> that question. question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bliss for Adam Foley. That's been a lifelong search. Uh, <laughs> well, we just signed on a house. So. <laughs> oh, that's, that is bliss. Uh, Part bliss, of bliss is like, yeah. I think enjoy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've been talking about yeah. that this morning. Bliss for me is, is finding home. And I mean home within yourself as well. The soul is a part of you that knows unconditional love. And so our whole book is about removing conditions from love. And mm. I truly believe when you're with people in a state of unconditional love together, that you have created heaven on earth. So that's always my search. Some days I'm good at creating it with our children and, mm. and the family. Some days I miss it because I'm busy and I'm stressed, mm. you know, and the more I can check in with my soul, the more that I can make that happen. I know for Adam, you That's know, lovely. and me, it's not just about a house, like a physical house, right? But it's like the energy of what's going to happen there. And I know for both of us, our most kind of blissed out happy place is just when we feel safe with our family, where we're enjoying each other and able to kind of really tap into that part of ourselves. So that's what I think I would say that's is so my wonderful. bliss as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so wonderful. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? holyandhuman.com is our website and we are putting up a mystery school there and we're going to start an online community there we're really excited about this next chapter there what's the mystery school oh mystery school it, it, we're just doing spiritual many online courses, courses that kind of build as you grow in the program unveiling the mysteries to, to get to higher levels of consciousness and understanding yourself as a multi-dimensional being so <laughs> psychology and spirituality mixed together yeah, come join us. It's going to be a party. <laughs> Sounds great. And and then on the 13th, we're having uh, an 
an online event, that'd actually be a good intro for people who want to feel into it and check it out. Um, February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, that'll be, we're going to go through meditations and exercises and, and talk about stories from the book and stuff. That's so great. Well, the book is called Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships, available everywhere. It's wonderful. I think it's really like the kind of book you want to keep on your bedside table and use, not just read once, but actually use in your daily life. I want to congratulate you both for writing it and for being such a beautiful couple and providing such a great message to everyone. Uh, Thank you both for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. It was so great having you. Happy Valentine's Day. You too. too. Thank you so much. We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, you're going to meet a couple that are so in love. They found this love midlife in a true fairy tale romance. Their names are Rose and Michael, and they'll be joining us soon from halfway around the world. Israel will be back with their love story back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're joined now by Rose Wolf and Michael Osterman, who are here to share their real-life love story. And they are coming to us all the way from halfway around the world, Tel Aviv, Israel. Before I tell you a little bit about this incredible couple, I have to share that Rose Wolf is a very dear childhood friend of mine who I haven't seen. We were just discussing in the green room for almost 45, maybe 50 years. We knew each other in public school and we reconnected many years later on Facebook And it's pretty emotional for me to be seeing her here today. And I can't wait to speak to you both. But before we begin, I just want to tell our listeners a little bit about what an incredible couple you are. Rose Wolf, originally from Montreal, relocated to Israel in 1979, where she completed her university studies in Jerusalem and jump-started her career in high-tech marketing. With a colorful and somewhat stress-filled career of over 35 years working for various Israel-based global technology companies, today Rose manages her own freelance writing and editing company. She got married the first time around in 1984, had two beautiful children, a daughter, Avia, now 33 and married, and I must tell you, an extremely talented singer, beautiful singer and a son, Yaniv, now 30. And in August of 2021, Rose became a first-time grandmother to an incredible baby boy named Noam Rose. And her first but not her last husband were married for 23 years. Shortly after her divorce in 2006, she put her well-honed marketing and writing skills to work and signed up for J-Date. After a decade, Yes, a whole 10 years, and these are Rose's words, of J-dating. That included some romance, a bit of international travel, and too many one-time-only coffee dates. In May 2016, Rose saw Michael Osterman's profile on J-date. She pinged him, he pinged back, and they met for drinks the following evening. Instant attraction, the stars collided, and Rose had met her Besheret, which is the Yiddish word for soulmate. Rose and Michael were married in October 2018 at the very same venue of the Shivers where they had their first date. Michael Osterman was born in Copenhagen, Denmark, and moved to Israel with his family when he was a child. He grew up in Jerusalem where he went to university and later relocated to San Francisco to earn his MA in industrial design. Michael's expertise in design, namely digital printing, brought him back to Israel where this industry sector was just getting started. He held several management roles over the years, but 10 years ago founded his own business, 
Jerusalem Artists Company, where he and other Israeli designers create beautiful jewelry and decorative items for Christians and Jews all over the world. In parallel, for the last 10 years, he has also been a licensed Israeli tour guide for English-speaking tourists from abroad. Michael was married also for almost 20 years and has a stunning daughter, Karem, who is 27. As karma would have it, Michael and Rose were both married to Yemenites, native Israelis whose parents emigrated to Israel from Yemen in 1949. And so they're both well-versed in Yemenite culture and food. And their children, Avia, Yaniv, and Karem, all look alike with the same sparkling eyes and smiles. Like Rose, Michael is a native English speaker. And from their very first phone call until today, and I just witnessed it in the green room, they converse only in English. Rose has even taught Michael how to say a perfect Canadian, eh? Rose and Michael, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thanks, Judy. Rose, it's so wonderful to see you, as I just mentioned in the virtual green room. Welcome and congratulations and muzzle tough to both of you on finding the love of your life midlife and inspiring so many people that dreams really have no expiration date. Can you take us back to that first date when you met in person for the first time? What happened? Go ahead. <laughs> so we did talk. For like how many hours? Two, three hours? You know, one thing, we didn't ask each other, we didn't ask each other, what are you doing? What is your profession? We didn't talk about that, but we talk about everything else. You know, people say there's love in first sight. I think we have trust in first sight. We knew, got a good figure about who is in front of us. And we said, this is very interesting. And you know what? Rose, we saw each other, we gave a hug, okay, because it was a friendship hug, because um, we, there's a big friendship here, and I think that's what is unique about our story. There's a big, big, big friendship between us. This is my version, okay? So wonderful. It sounds like it was love at first sight. What happened after that first date? And how did you both know that you were soulmates and this was different from anything you'd ever experienced before? Um, I cried after our first date. I mean, I sent him home and then I cried all the way home. <laughs> um, it's, it was something that I had never felt. You know, when you're, when, when you're 58 and you think you, you've, you know it all and have seen it all, this was different than anything else. I, I was absolutely... That, that that this was my story and that Michael was part of it. So, you see, we have some sentences that we still, and one of them is, we are definitely not confused, okay? <laughs> because many times when you're in a relationship, you have doubts, we don't have any doubts, and we're definitely not confused. And once you get to that stage, then things calm down. Absolutely. But once you're not confused, the boat goes pretty smoothly. I've seen these beautiful pictures from your wedding. And the look, even the way you're looking at each other in this interview, I can see it. I wish the listeners could see this. Thank you. Uh, is Thank just you. so, so incredible. And I saw it in your wedding photo as well. What was that wedding like back in the place where you first met on your first date? First of all, it was it was exactly, and uh, we had much more fun at this wedding than, than the first time round. Yeah, uh, it was very intimate, very small. Everyone, without exception, said that it was the most joyous joyous simcha celebration. Yeah, in even two. I think that uh, it was it was really our opportunity to, sh to share our love with the people that we, and Michael and I both um, have very little family here in Israel, teeny tiny, uh, just my children and, uh, and mom. But I was so incredibly touched uh, that my brother walked me down the aisle, which was a big honor. And uh, wow. Michael's mother walked him down the aisle. And 10 of my childhood friends from Canada came to the wedding. They said, well, we missed the first. We had to come to this. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of joy. And uh, um, 
and we still talk about it. Did your beautiful daughter sing at the wedding? Yeah, yes, they did. I think it's so romantic that you got married in the same place that you went to on your first date. Can you just paint us a picture of what that wedding was like that evening for both of you? So I think we say in Hebrew, that's a word, it's tikkun, it's fixing. Now, we both got married and we weren't babies, we weren't, uh, you know, youngsters when we got married. So we wanted inside us to make a, a correction to what happened to us until that moment. And I think that bursted out this joy that so many years, and I talked a lot about patience on that wedding, that we waited for that moment for many, many years. And I think that's what that's all about, that if you are patient enough, then good things will happen. And all the guests, they saw that and they felt that. Even the waiters said it was pretty uh, amazing, the wedding. <laughs> it, was, it was a really, really true um, joy. We say bursting joy. And everybody felt that. Wow. Rose, how did you feel on your wedding day as a bride marrying Michael? Really your true soulmate, the love of your life. Uh, I, I was very, I was very excited, and you know, you know, Judy. So many people said to me, "Oh, why bother getting married? Just, just live together." And I, I knew that I wanted to marry him, and um, I always said that there were two, there were two certainties up until, up until I met him. One was when I was nineteen. I knew that I wanted to move to Israel, hmm. uh, and I'll tack onto that. I knew that I wanted to have children. And when I met Michael, I knew I wanted to marry him. Hmm. So a lot of years, a lot of years in between. Um, but those were the certainties in my life from going back for over 40 years. Um, wedding day, um, I, was, I, I was pretty calm, hmm. uh, except that I didn't do what, what nice Jewish girls should do. And that's um, wear your wedding shoes <laughs> around the house for a day or two before. <laughs> And um, by the end of the evening, I couldn't feel much. Nothing from the ankles down. Um, Otherwise, it was perfect. Wow. What do you say to people out there, and this is for either of you, who are looking for love, who might have given up, who might be in their 50s or 60s listening right now on Zoomer Radio? What do you say to them? So, again, uh, and I definitely spoke about it Quite a lot of the way, you know, we each made the speeches to each other. Everybody, many guests uh, talked and cried and cried a lot. We waited for many years, and both of us have, how I want to say, uh, not the best experiences. It wasn't easy for us, and we each of us separately was hoping that the, um, a love story that will correct the love stories mm-hmm. that we had. And, and if you are patient, it's all about patience, and you don't get anxious, and you don't get uh, nervous about it, and you just wait, there's a chance that, uh, and it's God's work, it's definitely God's work, there's no other explanation to put us together, that's what <laughs> we feel, because remember Rose, very quickly she said, definitely God has uh, interfered here in our story, and that's what we felt very much at the wedding. I love that you say this because the author. My, my, my best advice. Yes. No, go ahead, Judy. Please. Oh no, no, I'd love to hear your best advice. My best please advice, because asked about you know, people in in, uh, in Hebrew, they call it chapter two. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, chapter one being your first marriage, and chapter two, it's a rough translation from the Hebrew. And uh, my my best advice, you know, for anyone in their fifties or sixties, and we were both fifty-eight, and. Um, is that uh, one? You have to have a, a little faith and be especially kind to yourself. It's not just about believing that you'll you'll meet somebody. It's deciding that you want to. That's what I learned after mm. ten years on the internet. And I, I think for all intents and purposes, so so did Michael. Mm. It was the same thing. And um, uh, perseverance is good. Uh, but you decide that you want to, and uh, and it's work. It's work. Worth it. 
every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just mention the authors of the book, Holy Love, just talked about how when you align with a soul level love, there's something and by loving each other as souls, it infuses your life with meaning and purpose. How have your lives changed having found your soulmate and the loves of your life? Well, definitely um, we are much more calm and we are much more focused. I have to say, you know, in Judaism, and and what I'm saying, maybe it's a bit tough, but uh, they say if you're not in a good relationship, you're almost like in hell. And if you have a good relationship, you're almost like in paradise. And we have, we have seen both of them. So we definitely feel that we are very lucky and blessed. And yeah, we, we are trying to enjoy as much as we can uh, our relationship. And we definitely, definitely can pin out the differences of the way we are now to what we were before. Very clear to us. Um, if I can just add to that, we, we hear that most from our grown adult children. Yeah. Um, Mom, you've changed so much since you met Michael. Or Kara, Michael's daughter, said, Dad, you're not angry anymore. And to us, that's, that's the highest praise of all. When your kids tell you, gee whiz, you've done okay. What is bliss for Rose Wolf? What is bliss? 6.30 in the morning, waking up with Michael and the dog who sleeps with us. Having coffee on our balcony. Oh my God. Listening to the birds every day. You? Um, So, as you can see, I talk a little bit more spiritually. So, for me, it's all about trust. Um, And I'm not talking about trust that, um, you know, between couples, if you have an affair, I'm talking about trust that we, I'll talk about myself. For the first time, I believe, and I have this deep feeling, that's my good being. Well-being. My well-being. Completely. And that changes everything. Because if you have trust that your partner wants your good being, well-being, then it's something that's it's, it's a dream come true. I think we have this hope that our parents will treat us in a way that... They will, we will feel that they only want our, and people, friends, we want them to give us the feeling that they want our well-being. But when you live with this every day and you have this trust that your partner, your closest person in the world, he wants for you to feel good, that changes everything. And um, that's my bliss. This big, big amount of trust that builds this whole, is the foundations of our relationship. And that's something very, very special for me. That is so beautiful. And you are both such an inspiration. I'm so delighted to have had you on the air. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media to perhaps uh, purchase your beautiful jewelry, Michael, or to uh, hire you, Rose, for your writing or editing services? How can people get in touch with you? Thank you. So you can, uh, you can find us both on Facebook, uh, or on LinkedIn, so you connect uh, with Michael Osterman um, about his work, about his uh, about his jewelry, either on Facebook. <laughs> should I should I plug? Of course, plug away. Plug away. So it's Jerusalem Artists Company. You can just Google it. There's a site and a Facebook page, and we'll shortly be on Etsy as well. And uh, you can find both of us on Facebook or LinkedIn. We're there. That's so wonderful. I want to thank you so much. Rose and Michael for being on the show today. In spite of all the technical difficulties, we made it work. Rose, this has been such a blessing to see you again. And I'm so grateful to be able to see you both, to meet you, Michael, even in this virtual setting. Thank you so much for being here today. It's been a real honor. Thank you, Judy, for having us. It was both of us. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to hear Skylar Finer singing the Shania Twain hit, Still the one. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff 
Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're going to hear Scott Kanaya Twain's Still the One. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Skylar Finer. Skylar is a very talented Toronto-based singer who enjoys jamming with friends, performing for young children, and singing in a wedding band. She loves giving back to the community and singing every Sunday for Jake's Jam and raising money for charity as well through Unsung Heroes. Love Unsung Heroes. They were actually on our very first show, which was 125 episodes ago, and I'll never forget it. Now let's all have a listen to Skylar Finer singing Shania Twain's Still the One. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Wow, Skylar, that was awesome. I love your voice. Thanks so much for being part of Finding Your Bliss today. And happy Valentine's Day. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach, and if I can help you in any way, let me know. You can reach out and connect with me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. Also, I'm on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. All you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. This week, I asked listeners to send in their love stories, and we have a couple of great ones here for you. I'm going to read you first the one from Karen from Oshawa, and she writes, One of the greatest love stories that I've witnessed was that of my mother and stepfather, Bill. They had both met each other later on in life. They truly enjoyed each other's company and showed their love in everything that they did. You can always hear that it's the little things that count, and their story is a testament to that. As teenagers, my siblings and I would catch them writing notes and I love yous to put into each other's lunchboxes. They always walked hand in hand wherever they went. One very thoughtful instance that's always stuck with me was during the time they were dating and my stepfather went out of his way to surprise my mother with a hamburger. He knew that she would have missed dinner because she was rushing to get from work to my parent-teacher meeting. I try to think of all of those little things in my own marriage because I want my own children to see how great love can be. Thank you for that. That was so beautiful. And here's another one. This is from one of our listeners, Anne. The first time my husband and I met, we were quite young. I was staying at a friend's house and she invited some friends. In the group that arrived, there was a quiet boy with long blonde hair and piercing blue eyes. I asked to braid his hair, and we spent the rest of the night talking. 25 years later, we're still married. We have two wonderful children, and we're still inseparable. And I want to wish him a very happy Valentine's Day. And finally, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my own love story to my own Valentine, and that's my husband, Cliff. And our love story, which started about 28 years ago, when one of my best friends, Sari, and my sister-in-law, Heather, got together to fix us up. I'll never forget our first date at a Japanese restaurant in Toronto. It's called Nami. And it was my first time ever having sushi. And I kept having this feeling that I'd met him somewhere before. His voice and his mannerisms, the kindness in his face, was just something about him that reminded me of someone, but I couldn't put my finger on it. For those of you who know me, you'll know that I had an extremely close relationship with my beloved grandma, Lily Siblin, and her birthday was on October 31st, Halloween. And I don't know why I did this, but suddenly I asked Cliff when his birthday was, and he said, 
October 31st, Halloween. And I think that sushi dropped right out of my chopsticks and I knew it was meant to be. Sometimes Cliff jokes and says, what if I had been born on November 1st? Would I have been out of luck? Happy Valentine's Day, Cliff. Love you so much. I'm so excited to tell you also about our exciting Valentine's Day giveaway courtesy of Candy Crazed. Candy Crazed is a candy store that sells cool candy, snacks, bulk gifts, toys, and party supplies. And they're giving away a phenomenal gift basket valued at $100 to a lucky Finding Your Bliss listener. To enter this awesome giveaway, all you have to do is go to Instagram and follow us at The Bliss Minute and at Candy Crazed, spelled K-A-N-D-Y-K-R-A-Z-E-D for all the contest details at The Bliss Minute and you'll find out exactly how you can enter. The contest is actually live right now and it will close on February 15th at 6 p.m. Good luck, everyone, and happy Valentine's Day. I want to thank all of our guests today, Elisa Romeo, Adam Foley, a special thanks to Rose Wolf and Michael Osterman, and thanks to Skylar Finer for her beautiful singing. Thanks to Meg Ruffman, producer Siobhan Kiley, associate producer Shelley Koskinen, senior editor Haley Allegia, editorial assistant Lauren Kaminsky, intern Beatrice Pardal-Costa, and audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. We're going to close out the show today with a short meditation. Begin by settling back and get as comfortable as you can. Gently close your eyes and switch off all of the responses all over your body as your muscles begin to ease off more and more, further and further. And begin by just thinking of someone that you want to say a prayer for or someone you want to keep in your heart. And just begin by taking in a deep breath right in and then breathe out slowly and evenly. And as you just take some deep inhales, have a picture in your mind of the person you're thinking of and focus all of that attention on that person. So let's all begin again by taking in another beautiful Inhale, in through the nose, and exhale slowly out through the nose or mouth, just focusing all of your attention on that image, and then consciously send love to that person thinking, I love you, or I'm sending you healing love and light. And you can even use their name to make it even more powerful. Take in another deep cleansing breath and exhale slowly, letting it all go as you gently come back to the room, opening your eyes, stretching, yawning, wiggle your fingers and toes and just come back to the present moment. For everyone here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrach reminding you all to just be love and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.